Dr. Cameron, uh, when he was 16 years old, he was the victim of a lynching in Marion, Indiana. Now, what makes this, this fascinating, and, and I didn't know this until I read the manuscript for his Time of Terror, these additional chapters he wrote that weren't in the first and second edition, but are in the third edition, he actually was forced to witness a lynching when he was either eight or nine years old uh, in Alabama. So here he is, this young kid who's, who's eight or nine years old, being forced to watch a group of white men lynch uh, a black man, and then several years later being the victim of a lynching himself. Um, now the lynching is a story that may not be all that familiar with a lot of people. They've probably seen the photograph of Dr. Cameron's lynching. Most people think it was a southern uh, lynching, but it took place in, in northeastern uh, Indiana in a town called Marion on August 7th, 1930. And the lynching came about as a result of, of some activity that Dr. Cameron had been involved with a couple of his friends the day before. Uh, him being 16, he had an 18-year-old friend and 19-year-old uh, a uh, guy that he knew, they convinced him to go with them out to a Lover's Lane area. Uh, and then once they get out there, they told him, we're going to rob somebody to get some money to buy another car with. Now, he was very reluctant to do it, but he, you know, felt the peer pressure. Uh, and he went over to the car. They gave him the gun. And he said, go stick him up. Just say, you know, open the door and say, stick him up. So he did that, but he recognized the man, uh, Claude Dieter, uh, as one of his, his good friends in town, a man who had been one of his best customers at his shoeshine parlor. Uh, and, and the young woman who was with him, Mary Ball, he didn't recognize her at all. But he became very afraid. He gave the gun back to his friends and he left the scene. Uh, a little while later, he heard some shots being fired. He rushed home, uh, sweating uh, profusely. And his mother asked, you know, what's going on? What have you done? And he said, nothing. I was just out playing football with my friends. And later that night, uh, the, the authorities came because Mr. Dieter, who had been shot, uh, was able to tell the police who the, the, the three young black men were. Uh, so word spread that they had uh, sexually assaulted Mary Ball, even though that wasn't true, but it didn't really make a difference at that particular time in American history. Uh, what made it even worse for these three young men was that Indiana, uh, at this particular time, was the hotbed of the Ku Klux Klan. They had more Klan members in Indiana at this time than in any other state. Uh, and so this hostility uh, developed very quickly in the white community that these young black men had shot and killed a white man and had sexually assaulted uh, a white woman, even though they didn't. But it didn't matter uh, because the rumor became fact for the people in the mob that gathered. And, and the mob uh, gained uh, uh, ascendancy over the town and they took over the town. And, uh, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15,000 people were part of this mob. Uh, the sheriff tried to prevent them from breaking into the, the jail to take these three young men out, but they did anyway, uh, and they killed uh, Abe and Tommy, uh, and they took Cameron out uh, as the last person they were going to kill. They had the rope around his neck. They were about to kill him. They were punching him, spitting on him, kicking him, uh, saying all kinds of vulgar things to him as they dragged him down the street to the lynching tree. And he says that a voice came over the crowd, and the crowd became very quiet, and his voice said, leave this young man alone. He had nothing to do with these crimes. Let him go. And he says that's exactly what happened. They let him go. He staggered back to the jail. Uh, eventually the sheriff took him out of the jail for safekeeping. Uh, and he would always explain this, this, this miraculous uh, release from this, this mob, his, his, his miraculous uh, you know, life-saving uh, moment. 
uh, as God saving his life. He said this, he would, he would often quote this. Uh, he says, for those of us who believe in God, no explanation is necessary. For those of us who don't believe in God, no explanation is possible. And that's how he explained uh, surviving that lynching. He says that God had a mission for him, and that mission was to do social justice work. So once he got out of prison uh, for being accessory before the act of murder, he served four uh, years in prison. Uh, and he began to do social justice work. He opened up four branches of the NAACP in the state of Indiana. Uh, he got death threats to, to himself, his, his wife and children. And they eventually left Indiana. Uh, he moved to Milwaukee. Uh, he continued to do social justice work in Milwaukee. He was uh, heavily involved in civil rights movement in Milwaukee, the open housing marches and things of that nature. And then he opened up the museum uh, in 1988.